Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Book Riot Newsletters. Did you know Book Riot has over 25 newsletters covering every genre as well as book news and deals? Sign up for book deals to get notified about the best book sales of the day handpicked by our editorial staff. There's Today in Books, our daily newsletter summing up the most interesting headlines from the book world every day. And don't miss our newest newsletter, Our Queerest Shelves, which will deliver LGBTQ plus news and recommendations straight to your inbox. We've also got newsletters for horror fans, romance readers, YA lovers, mystery thriller aficionados, and more. Just go to bookriot.com slash newsletters to sign up for the newsletters that are most interesting to you. That's bookriot.com slash newsletters. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 98, and we are recording on Tuesday, March 23rd. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. I would ask how you're doing, but it's been it's been kind of a heavy week in the world. Yeah, for sure. Like it was, we were uh, over in California. We were moving towards like a good, like the sun was finally out. There was no more rain, and then just the news itself, and with the news of the shootings, it's been uh, it's been a heavy, like anxiety ridden weeks, and just a week like filled with tragedy. So yeah, what about you? Yeah, there's. It's been a week that I mean has had some uh, some pluses for for me. Like I'm getting my first haircut in eight months tomorrow, there you so go. that's exciting. And I have my first vaccine appointment, which is also exciting. But with everything starting to open up again, it's like right on cue the shootings start happening again, and it's just you know obviously the one in Atlanta was heartbreaking and was just handled so poorly on so many levels. Like, obviously, I'm not going (laughs) to rehash the details. We already know a lot about what happened. And it's traumatizing for so many people. But then less than a week later, we have the shooting in Boulder, Colorado at the grocery store at the King Supers. And it's just, you know, it's just emphasizing exactly how, how much of a problem this is. Like, there's nowhere we can go like we're finally starting to get ready to go back out in public to these places we haven't been for a year and then it's just a reminder that these that these places still are not safe except it's just in a vastly different way than covid yeah that is so true that you say that just because i was thinking about the same thing that how um there's only a limited amount you can do against a virus because at the end of the it is like a natural thing that's there and um, sure you can social distance you can wear masks but at the end of the day there's only so much you can do against it but this just seems like these such incidents seem preventable on so many levels and just like you mentioned like their handling could have been so much better and um, I think Roxanne Gay was the one who tweeted recently about how like as soon as things are starting to open up like 
we've seen a surge because uh, I know like in California, it was like just last week that things started opening up. So that's so spot on as well that how as things are opening up, it's just like, like you mentioned, like they're still not safe and people are, are like are feeling frustrated and I'm, I'm sure scared like how do we make sure that they're safe now you know like mm-hmm. we've done what we can against COVID where we're taking all the precautions but then like how do we save ourselves from this yeah it's it's so frightening and I mean for me well I was this was god years ago over a decade ago but I, I remember I w- when I was in college I went Black Friday shopping with some friends at a local mall and there wasn't a mass shooting there but there was an incident where someone pulled out a gun it was a from what I can understand it was a personal interaction with another person not one of these mass shooter type of events but it happened very close to where my friends and I were standing and we had and we ran out of the mall along with everyone else and it was a really really scary event that that really changed how I felt in crowds and in public places. And these types of events, I mean, they're, they've become so ingrained part of American life that you just, that it's like you have, like when you go out, you have to think about what do I do if this happens where wherever I am. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you hate to, <laughs> I, you know, we hate to start off the, the episode on such a, a serious note, but it really, you know, these are the things that we have to keep talking about. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And like we were discussing, Katie and I were discussing that if you, like so many of us, I'm sure we're feeling frustrated about the lack of change, especially in just in terms of gun law, etc., Make sure to reach out to your like local government, to your senators, write letters to them, compound your efforts with like people of uh, people from your neighborhood, people from your like friends group, colleagues, write to them, make your voices heard. And there are also some excellent, like I was telling Katie, there's this Instagram movement that's going on that's very much aimed about raising awareness about Asian American Pacific Islander community. Um, the hate and violence that they suffer through and just raising awareness of it and resources to just be more empathetic and help them in a productive way. And I'll definitely leave a link for that in the show notes as well. Yeah. So if anyone's listening, if any of you have been directly affected by these tragedies, I mean, we do not have the words to make any of this all right, but we don't want to sweep these events under the rug and pretend and just go on like business as usual because that that just doesn't help and if you even if you haven't been directly affected by these incidents if you're feeling scared and anxious and you know all of these negative feelings at a time when we should ho- be hopefully feeling more hope and optimism about being able to venture outside of our houses again just know you are definitely not alone yeah and I'm guessing that a lot of you listening are, you know, you 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 probably take solace in books like like we do. And though we we talk about mysteries and thrillers and yeah, there's there's murder in these books. There's you know, I think there there's a lot to be said for using these to find some using these types of books to find some kind of meaning and order in the world. Exactly. Yeah. So um, with that. Nezra, do you want to go ahead and give us our first sponsor, and we'll we'll try to we'll we'll try to provide a little bit of distraction for everyone? Absolutely. So this episode of Red or Dead is sponsored in part by Forge Books. We have a convicted killer, 
a gifted thief, a vicious ganglord, a disillusioned cop, and together, they're a missing girl's only hope. Ten years have passed since Detective Jessica Sanchez arrested Dr. Blair Harper, a once-respected pediatric surgeon, for cold-blooded murder. So when she finds the disgraced doctor on her doorstep, she anticipates violence. Instead, she receives a plea for help. To find out what happens next, pick up Gathering Dark, a new standalone thriller set in Los Angeles from the number one New York Times bestselling author Candace Fox. Uh, Samantha Downing, US Today's best-selling author of My Lovely Wife, has called Gathering Dark by Candace Fox one of the best crime novels of the year, and James Patterson has called her a bright new star of crime fiction. This is available wherever books are sold. Thank you so much to Forge Books for sponsoring the show. All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you. If you are a repeat listener, welcome back. We are delighted that you've stuck with us for so long. And if you've listened to the show before, um, you know, this is where we just talk a little bit about the show. We cover mystery, suspense, thrillers, true crime, anything that falls under that umbrella, whether it's just like interesting sub subgenres, author read-alikes, movie and news adaptations, mystery, award news, anything that falls under that umbrella is fair game for us. And this is also the part of the show where we reach out to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes. Over the years, we have used so many of the ideas that you've sent our way to plan future episodes. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. It's a great way for us to plan future episodes when we just do not have any ideas. It's very helpful on so many levels. So if you have any suggestions for us, you can shoot us an email, reach out via social media. We will have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. We just like to put out this call ahead of time to get those juices flowing. Even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, there's nothing we love more than hearing from you. So drop us a line for that if you'd like as well. And of course, if you enjoy this podcast, you can also leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join our little delightful community here. And so this, the last couple of weeks have been pretty light on mystery-related news segments. So we're not going to worry about news segments for for this episode. And instead, we'll let's just go ahead. Let's just jump right into uh, this episode's discussion, which was a really interesting, which was a really interesting pick that I can't, I can't remember which one of us came up with it when we were, <laughs> when we were picking episode ideas. But we decided to take a look at books that take place in a very, very specific location or very specific time period and how that kind of affects the book. So we we got to, we'll get to talk about some really interesting locations and and fun stuff for for these books. Yeah, I remember when we were thinking about ideas, we both were like instantly on board. I think you were the one who came up with it. I was like, "Yes, let's do it. Let's do it right now." <laughs> well, I will happily take credit for that idea, although I have no memory of like anything from the last two weeks. So, <laughs> yeah, it 
I think what uh, just what made this idea so intriguing to me was first of all the two picks that I have lined up uh, were sitting on my shelves and I'd always like they were just calling up to me and this topic gave me a chance to finally pick them up and talk about them and the second is just I I, I just love a story set in a very particular location because I think it makes it like a it just becomes a world of its own and it, it provides this experience of where you're truly escaping, but at the same time, you're not. You're just like entering into this completely new world and where you can't leave until, you know, you've reached the end or you've got, you've gotten some kind of resolution. And that's what intrigued me so much about this idea. And I thought it would just be a nice, uh, I know we both were thinking it would be a nice distraction as well, since even though places are opening up, there's traveling is a bit far off in most of our futures so this will just give us a little bit of like chance to go to a very specific time and place yeah no i totally agree and i would love for you to tell us about your first pick because i know of the book and the title just i feel like just captures this sentiment so perfectly so go (laughs) go ahead and tell me about your first pick Yes, so the, my first pick is The Disaster Tourist by Yun Kyun, and it's translated by Lizzie Buehler. And right, just before I start the, the discussion, I would like to put out a trigger warning. There is on-page sexual assault in the workplace, and that is uh, something that I have a trigger for. So I just want to make sure that every, anyone who does go into this work is aware of that. And just a little bit about the story. So... This novel, it centers around the life of a 33-year-old protagonist uh, named Yona, who works for Jungle, and it's a, which is a Korean travel company. And what Jungle actually does is it creates these tourist packages or like these whole elaborate vacation plans, but the destinations are those that are ravaged by disaster. So you think, uh, think places affected by tsunami or like nuclear plant like a disaster and and it's just uh and that's what it specializes in and and it's it is an industry of its own and it's called dark tourism and it just like like i was stuck down a rabbit hole but i couldn't find any credible like if this industry actually exists in real or not but just like the idea of the like it just made it's all the like it just the premise made it so much scarier that you would think why would people want to visit like those places or be reminded of those tragedies. And then we, right off the bat, we jump into where like Yona has been with uh, the company for 10 years. She's amazing at her job. And then uh, her boss like sexually harasses her. And once she starts trying to confront him or she tries to like um, gather her colleagues and talk to them about it, uh, she starts getting gaslighted and, her boss just offers her a free ticket, like a work vacation to one of the most sought after trips. And so uh, what Yona does is she uh, accepts and heads off there just because of like the lack of support she's facing. So it also like deals with a lot of like you wouldn't think while going in, but it also deals a lot with how sexual harassment is handled in places till date and the mental toll it can take on the people who are the victims. And then we follow Yona as she reaches the desert island of Mui. And the death attraction in that island is a sinkhole. And it's been, it's a dramatic sinkhole. And like, it's been hyped up to be this like, disaster like which can suck anyone in who goes within like its radius but when she goes there along with other tourists she finds that it's actually been hyped up and it's a very tiny sinkhole and like the whole 
idea of like is has been fabricated. And then she also like while she is like while she's on that vacation, she also realizes that the tour is not at all authentic, and the people of the village, the the village named Mui, are actually becoming collateral damage. And is just from there, like she goes on, like she goes on a walk with her group of tourists, and then she ends up getting lost, and then she finds herself at the center of like the town and all of the people, and then like things start to get super real. And you like, I have to say when I was reading it, I could not imagine the direction it went in. It's marketed as an eco thriller and just like all the repercussions of humans not letting nature, you know, not letting nature be are become very real in this one. And that's what provides like the majority of the thriller or like the mystery element and just what happens or how like this whole thing gets resolved. So it was a fantastic, very gripping and also very like sobering, I would say, like read. So again, that was The Disaster Tourist by Yun Kiyun. Wow. Like (laughs) I was aware (laughs) of this book. Like I recognize the title and and whatnot, but I had no idea that there was so much going on yeah. <laughs> in this book. And yeah, as as you're like talking about all these things, and I'm like, I've got to read this. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and it's a slim volume too, so you don't expect it. But it's like it for it wastes no time. Like from the first page, you're in it. Yeah, I really appreciate books that can pack that much stuff into such a small amount of space. Like. My go-to example for that is my sister, the serial killer. Yep, that book is so is small, and it's under it's like two hundred and fifty pages, maybe even a little less. And there's so much going on in that book. Oh my gosh, that, that just sounds so interesting. <laughs> so yeah, before I jump into my first pick, I do want to give a quick shout out to the book that immediately jumped into my head when we decided on this topic. And I'm not using this as one of my featured books to talk about in the episode because I've talked about about it a few times. But the book that I immediately thought of was Beneath the Mountain by Lucas D'Andrea. And that is translated from the Italian. And it takes place in a very, very specific region of the Dolomite Mountain Range. And the village where the story takes place has a very unique cultural element to it that is very much shaped by its environment, its literal environment with the mountains and the rugged terrain. And the mystery at the heart of the book is a really gruesome triple murder that happened to these three, I can't remember if they were teenagers or in their early 20s, but these three young people that happened like 20 or 25 years previously. And then the main character is trying to figure out what happened, but it becomes an obsession and it comes at the expense of his marriage, his family relationships, his relations with other people in the community. And the I just remember when I listened to this audiobook, and I do recommend the audio version of this book. It was just fantastic. The the entire region just came to life. And even though this isn't like this is what you would call it's much more of a leisurely paced thriller. It was just so engrossing. And the way that the physical environment was described just made it feel so real. And it just made everything feel so real. And I remember just 
like I started listening to the book thinking like, oh, you know, I've heard good things about it. I wasn't expecting to be as captivated by it as I was. And so that's the kind of thing that that when we talk about, you know, taking place in a very specific time, that's the first thing that jumps to mind. And so for for this episode, I wanted to, you know, pick something that takes place in a very specific location, but also in a very unusual or in a much more unusual location because we have, you know, we talk about books that take place all over the world when when we do these episodes, but there are so many mysteries set in set in England, specifically in London. You know, there's so many books that take place in, you know, in Ireland and Dublin or in the more populated regions of Australia, that kind of a thing. So I wanted to pick books that took place in very, very specific and or more unusual locations. So my first book that I wanted to talk about is The Split by Sharon Bolton. And I've I've loved every Sharon Bolton book that I've read, and I don't know why I haven't read more of her books. I've just kind of been going at them in kind of a piecemeal fashion. But this is, oh, I can't remember if this is her newest one or not. I know it came out last year, though, so it is very new. If it's not her newest, it is her second newest. But The Split takes place, well, it takes place in... in two locations like half of it takes takes place in Cambridge which is I would put that in the more typical or in a more conventional location for a mystery novel and the rest of the book takes place on the Antarctic island of South Georgia that's much more unusual so the main character's name is Felicity so she studies glaciers <laughs> and she is stationed at, on the island of South Georgia which is basically Antarctica. And she's studying, you know, the different environmental effects. But when the book starts off, she's on the island, she's been there for about seven months, but she lives in fear every day that her ex-husband, whose name is Freddie, is going to find her even out in this location. And one of the reasons that she took this job on this isolated island was to hide from him. But Freddie has been in prison. He is now out of prison. And he has sent her letters indicating that he knows where she is and he's going to find her. So that's kind of the the first part of the book. And because Sharon Bolton writes psychological suspense, I don't want to give away too many details. But the parts that are set in Cambridge, again, without giving too many details away, That sheds light on her backstory and indicates that there's more going on here than you would initially think. And that's all I'm going to say about the plot. But I think we've mentioned this before, but I don't know. I find thrillers that take place in snowy or very cold locations very interesting And I don't know why, because I hate the cold and you would think that I wouldn't want to read about it when it feels like I live in the cold (laughs) 24 seven in the Chicago area. At least that's what it feels like at this time of year. I've got my sweatshirt and my slippers (laughs) on and I'm like, oh, it's still cold and it's almost April. But anyway, these books that take place in very remote 
regions or that that take place in very isolated, cold, snowy locations. There's something so fascinating about that to me. Maybe I'm maybe it's the just the the wildness and the fact that these books tend to have a very much like a man versus nature type of thing to them. But I found this this part of the setting the description of South Georgia, which used to be a, an old whaling village and that type of stuff. It was just so interesting to like read these these details and then just kind of be able to build that picture in my mind. And it just it may it heightens the suspense of the book that much more to have all of these natural elements coming in. And I just I just thought it was so interesting. And also just a fun little detail about the main character is that she raises orphan baby penguins. Oh my goodness. And little baby penguins. And I'm like, you can't see them, but you can see them in your mind. And they were very cute. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so again, that is the split by Sharon Bolton, which takes place partly in Antarctica with baby penguins. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You had me in Antarctica and then you said baby penguins and now I'm sold. Yeah, <laughs> isn't sold by baby penguins. <laughs> uh, before I move to my next pick, do you want to give us our second sponsor? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. So our second sponsor for this episode is The Vines by Shelley Nolden. And this book takes place in the shadows of New York City on the abandoned forbidden North Brother Island, where the remains of a shuttered hospital hide the haunting memories of quarantines and human experiments. The ruins conceal the scarred and beautiful Cora, imprisoned there by contagions and the doctors who torment her. When Finn, a young urban explorer, arrives on the island and glimpses this enigmatic woman through the foliage, intrigue turns to obsession as he seeks to uncover her past and his own family's dark secrets. So this book is a debut novel, and North Brother Island is actually a real place on the East River in New York City that has a fascinating but really morbid history. And the author did a lot of extensive research on the island's history and weaves these details into the plot. She studied the like all the online photos of this place that she was able to find. And I again, I think this actually fits in perfectly with our description, books that take place in a very specific location. And so this is a dark story that's part historical fiction, part medical drama, part horror. And I'm already going, oh my goodness, this sounds amazing. But it's also hopeful. It celebrates survival and resiliency. And it's a topical book today, given that it involves quarantines. Gee, I wonder why we'd be really familiar with that. Um, <laughs> and things like medical ethics and vaccine research. But it also has like this dark, fantastical supernatural element to it that makes it an escape read as well. And so this sounds super fascinating. And if this is also piquing your interest, you will definitely want to check out The Vines by Shelley Nolden. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, for my second pick, I have Disappearing Earth by Julia Phillips, uh, which when I when it came out, I recall it being like it being an old list and it got a like good amount of hype. But what captured my interest is it's set in this town. It, the town is called Kamchatka, and it's in the main city of Petropavlovsk, which is on the northeastern edge of Russia. And what's interesting about the city is that it was not 
there there were no major roads connecting to it because it was a closed off military zone until 1989 so until 1989 no outside person from the outside world could actually access this without like heavy protocol and just like i think for the like short of an airplane or something they couldn't really get there and that's what initially captured my interest about this as well but then as you actually dive into the work it becomes this literary mystery read which uh, i've mentioned before as well that it's some of my favorite things when it comes to works of suspense and mystery it's like so what happens is we have two sisters aliona and sofia who are playing on like the on the edge of their houses and like within the next hour they where they were there's no one so some they have disappeared and no one knows what happened to them either someone has taken them away or like they've just disappeared and that's and that's where the mystery starts from that's the first chapter there are no spoilers and what happens then is you learn of what happened to them or like what could have happened to them to the perspectives of different people in the town and the biggest mystery is like like i was men- like i mentioned that it's uh, it, it has been always like it's been a closed off town and even when it did open up it's like it's slow like to uh, outsiders so you get into the thoughts of everyone wondering like what could have happened and but you also there's this mystery element and then there are these characters with their own story arcs and you witness like and you're just wondering how could this possibly come together and it does and all the while like uh her writing is like lush like her she weaves in the landscape brilliantly and just everyone's like struggles are centered around that landscape so it's it's just like a mix of everything and uh, i don't want like i don't want to give too much away because of like just how like the mystery element is you do learn more as you read more but it's like a fantastic one especially if you want to like travel to like a place you not you've never been to but let alone like I'm sure very few people would have heard of this. So it's, and it's like a literary feat, I would say. Like, if you've enjoyed mystery work, literary mystery works like The Other Americans by Leila Lalami, then I think this one will be right up your alley. So again, that's Disappearing Earth by Julia Phillips. Yeah, I remember when that book came out. Yeah, like you said, it was just on all the lists. And I love when a book. When when you look when you're like you said when you're reading it and you're like I'm not sure how this is going to come together and then it does when it when you're like uh, I don't know and then it pays off probably <laughs> because the disappointment of books that do that and then don't pay off is very <laughs> is very sharp so when yes. a book does do it you're like oh my gosh they did it <laughs> so I I have not read it yet but that that detail alone I'm just like ooh that sounds really good. <laughs> So my second pick is a much more of a traditional police procedural, and this is called Overkill by Vanda Simon, which is the first book in the Sam Shepard series and takes place in rural New Zealand. And funny, well, maybe not fun, funny enough, but when I started reading it, my my first thought was, this feels like... Like there, there's a lot of flavor to this book that that feels like that it could have come from other rural type thrillers that take place maybe in a small English town or whatever, which I know says a lot about our history of 
exploration and colonization and all that stuff. But if you like rural thrillers, this would be a good pick. And the author also is, you know, she adds in details about like the local flora and fauna to this small town in New Zealand called Matara, I think is how you pronounce it. And it's mostly, it's a small farming community. They've got basically one police constable. And that is our main character, Sam Shepard, who's also in both of the books that I picked, both of the female characters are very young. Like, I think they're both like 27, 28. And in in this book, Sam Shepard, she is like, the, she's the lone police constable for the area. In the other book, Felicity is one of the leading glacier scientists, because I'm not going to pronounce that other <laughs> word. Um, but they're, they're in their late 20s. I'm like, good Lord, what was I doing in my late 20s? <laughs> so anyway, so besides making, making me question some of my life choices. <laughs> so Sam is at the beginning of the book, she's called out to this house where the wife has gone missing. Her husband came home, found the, found, found the baby by herself, and found a note from his wife, but he can't find her. And the note makes it seem like the that the woman might have died by suicide, but quickly you learn you learn pretty quickly that, that that didn't happen. It was staged to look like that, but that's not actually what's going on here. So that's that's the main mystery of the book. And that's, you know, that's kind of a, a common trope that we've seen before. But what makes the what what complicates this this plot much more is that Sam used to be in a romantic relationship with the man whose wife has been killed. And that is proving to be very difficult for her to manage. Like she's, you know, she she is pushing along as best as she can. She knows that she's kind of in over her head just in general being the only the only constable in the area being a young woman, being a short young woman. She in the book she says she's like 5 feet tall and has to deal with a lot of nonsense from her taller male uh colleagues. So she's she's pushing along. She's doing she's doing the best that she can, but her emotions are becoming very, you know, are becoming very difficult to to manage and grapple with. And then, you know, as the story progresses, her superiors find out that she used to be in a romantic relationship with the man whose wife was just murdered. And they are now very, very upset with her. And then the story kind of progresses from there. So yeah, so this book, like I said, has a lot of elements of rural thrillers. And so if you like those types of books, I think you'll you'll find a lot to enjoy here. And like I said, the it takes place in a small in a small town in New Zealand where everyone knows everyone. And so that's helpful for talking to people and getting information, but it also means that it's not very helpful in terms of gossip spreading or you know, trying to do things surreptitiously while, you know, like trying not to, not to, you know, tip your hand at what, what you're investigating and, you know, trying really hard not to do that, but knowing that it could very easily, what you're doing could end up all over town by the next day. I will not, again, I will not go into specifics, but Sam takes a very interesting tactic in terms of getting a getting an interview with one of the local 
nurses who might have some information about what happened. I will just leave it there. I would say this would not be my method of conducting an interview, but hey, to each their own. Um, (laughs) So... Yeah, so this is, like I said, this is the first book in the series. So if you're looking for a new procedural series to pick up, this might be a really interesting one. So again, that is Overkill by Vanda Simon. I love small town procedural series. Elizabeth George, like her first book, A Great Deliverance, Mm -hmm. I think, is like in this small, small, like uh, British town and it's dark. And like you mentioned, it has so many of those elements Oh, I just love a good small town series. Yeah. And small towns always have the biggest secrets. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just this inescapability of them. Like, you know, like, yeah, sh- sure, we only have a small pool of suspects, but at the same time, like the proximity, like it could be anyone, like the next person you see could have done it. So, mm-hmm. And you think you know everyone, but then you go, oh gosh, maybe I, maybe I didn't. It's why I, <laughs> every time I drive through a small town and... You know, like a lot of times if I drive through Wisconsin or I have to drive, it's like there's some small towns on, on the Illinois-Wisconsin border. I just drive through and I'm just like, oh, I'm giving all these little isolated houses the side eye. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So definitely. I I hear you on that one. All right. So if I was going to say before we get into a discussion about rural thrillers, <laughs> we'll have to save that for another episode. But. If you have any suggestions for books that take place in a very specific time or place that really just makes the story stand out, let us know because these these tend to be the books that just that are just so fascinating that keep them from falling into the trap of like, oh yeah, I've read this before. Like it's the it's those details that really help make them stand out. So yeah, just pass along any reading recommendations. Absolutely. And with that, since I've been talking for a little bit, uh, Nezra, do you want to go ahead and kick off our new releases segment with your first with with your pick? Since both of our picks come out this week, <laughs> absolutely. So this book actually is super interesting because a couple of the contributors on the Overhead Book Ride have read this book uh, as a form of e galley, and they had opinions. <laughs> And I love and the premise itself makes me like, I'll talk about the premise in just a minute, but especially when a book like, you know, it has this super powerful response from people. I love reading those books just because I love like being, of course, like being part of the discussion, but it's just, it makes it more fun, you know, because you already have this other perspective out there and you, it gives you so many lenses to look through it. So my pick was The Lost Village by Camilla Sten. And Alma Akatsu, uh, who's actually going to feature again in the show, <laughs> but uh, she's actually called this, like, it has a spooky premise, it has great atmospherics and unexpected twists. And she is right, because that is exactly what this sounds like. It's a day in 1959, and an entire village of people has disappeared. And it, they have left behind only the broken body of a woman in the town square and an abandoned newborn in a schoolroom. And no one knows where the people vanished, and no one has been there since. Until now. That is where our documentary filmmaker Alice Lindstedt has comes in. She has been obsessed with the vanishing residents of the old mining town, dubbed the Lost Village, since she was a little girl. Her grandmother's entire family disappeared in this tragedy. And ever since then, like the unanswered questions have 
plagued her like who was the dead woman and the what happened to the abandoned baby and so she gathers a small crew of filmmaking friends to spend a few days in the quiet village and make a film about what really happened as best laid plans go there will be no turning back for them like not long after they've set up camp mysterious things mysterious things begin to happen like equipment is destroyed people begin to go missing and as like as they start to doubt like whether they should have done this in the first place they realize they're not alone and oh my goodness it just it's 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 a pulse pounding like riveting thriller from beginning to end and it sounds like the perfect mix of horror and thriller like ghost towns i am i'm a little obsessed with ghost towns just because there is just so much to unravel there what happened to the people there and especially uh, with this one where it has an element of like a woman was left behind like and there was a new porn that was just left alone in town and then we have that added element of like a documentary filmmaker who's trying to uh, like put those pieces together so it just sounds fantastic and it, that again that's the lost village by camilla sten and it's out today wherever books are sold Yeah, this book has been on my radar. I think since I saw the cover of it, it just like it just the description just gives off a very like Blair Witch feel to it, which I yeah. love the Blair Witch. Absolutely. Um oh. and now I'm really interested cuz I do have a have an e-galley of this book on my <laughs> iPad and now I'm interested to I'm going to have to either read it and then go to the book right back channels where people are having opinions about it <laughs> yeah. or <laughs> but yeah, I am super curious to know what what these what these big opinions are. But yeah, that I was super excited to know that this book was going to be coming out. So, my pick as Nazra briefly hinted at is <laughs> Red Widow by Alma Katsu, and that is also out today. Today is Tuesday. When you listen to this, it'll be Friday, but it'll still be out in bookstores. Yeah. Um so real quickly before I jump into this book, Alma Katsu, her last two books have very much they've been a blend of historical fiction thriller and horror the hunger which i loved that book and that is a supernatural take on the donner party and every person i've given this book to has come back and was like whoa even people who don't read horror are like oh my gosh and her her last book was the deep which was a historical thriller horror take on the sinking of the titanic now that one uh when i read that that one was definitely leaned more towards the historical fiction side of the spectrum rather than the super creepy horror that the hunger did so now she's gone in a completely different direction with red widow which is a spy thriller about two women CIA agents who become intertwined around a threat to the Russia division one that's coming from inside the agency so lindsay duncan is one of these agents she's worried her career with the CIA might be over after lines are crossed with another intelligence agent during her most recent assignment she's sent home to washington on administrative leave so when a former colleague now chief of the Russia division recruits her for an internal investigation she jumps at the chance to prove herself again she was lindsay was once a top handler in the moscow field station known as the human lie detector and was praised for recruiting some of the most senior russian officials but now three russian assets have been discovered including one of her own and the cia is convinced that there's a mole in the department So with years of work in question and lives on the line, Lindsay's thrown back into life at the agency, only this time she's tracing the steps of those closest to her. And then 
We also have fellow agent Teresa Warner, who can't avoid the spotlight. She is known as the infamous Red Widow, the wife of a former director killed in the field under mysterious circumstances. And with her husband's legacy shadowing her every move, Teresa is a fixture of the Russia division. And she and Lindsay strike up an unusual friendship with her knowledge proving very valuable. But as Lindsay uncovers a surprising connection to Teresa that could answer all of her questions, she exposes a terrifying web of secrets within the department, if only she is willing to unravel it. So this is light years of a different (laughs) framing than Alma Katsu's last two books. But she is such, such a good writer. I don't usually do spy thrillers, and I'm really excited for this. This sounds like oh, this just sounds like it's got so many elements going on. And the fact that it's following two female agents, that already makes makes things even more interesting. And just like we were just talking about like secrets of people that you thought were really close to you, and now you have to look at them differently. Like that's, that's one, that's one of my big things that I love in mysteries and thrillers. So if you are looking for a new espionage type novel, Definitely pick up Red Widow by Alma Katsu, which is out now. And read her other two books because they're really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, uh, I have The Deep on my bookshelf, but off scenes, we've talked about like her, The, the Hunger. Oh, and uh, <laughs> like, I, it's like, so high on my TBR. Oh, my I, I, I so think good. I'm going to read that first before I pick up any of her works. But I did start reading The Deep once, and I, I don't know for some reason, put it aside. But you're right, like her, like you can tell her range, like how, what she's capable of just from like the first page. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's just such a good writer. I mean, that's, that's just, you know, that's, that's all there is. That's all there is to it. So (laughs) now, now we get to see her try her hand at a new subgenre and yeah, I'm really excited. Absolutely. All right. With that, do you want to talk a little bit about what we've been reading recently? What about you? Well, I was going to say mine's pretty quick. I haven't, this hasn't been a real great couple of weeks for reading. Um, Although I did, when I sat down to read The Split by Sharon Bolton, I was like, okay, I'll start it, you know, this evening. I'll finish in the next day or two. I finished it that night. So um, I've kind of been in in a feast or famine mode with reading. I either read, like stay up way past my bedtime to finish a book that I just started that night. Or I go days between picking up a book. So, yeah, I'm I haven't haven't really done a lot of new reading of stuff that I haven't talked about on the show previously. So hopefully, I will finish something new by next episode. Yeah, I've been the complete opposite. Where I've talked about this before as well, where I'm like, just I'm reading a lot of things, but not actually completing a lot of things, except for the two uh, books I did mention above. But one that I am currently reading now, and I did want to mention here, is Anxious People by Frederick Bachman and translated by Neil Smith. So everyone was questioning that this book was largely marketed as like, you know, a contemporary book, but also like with a bit of mystery in it and a hostage drama and all that. And a lot of people were questioning if that's fair marketing or if, you know, that if it's being marketed wrong uh, in terms of how people were putting it in mystery lists and thriller lists. And I'm here to set the record straight. In my opinion, I think it is being marketed correctly as a mystery, but the premise itself is like a little over the top premise. And as I'm reading this book, I'm realizing that all mysteries, like 
don't have to like end up in, let's say, murder or don't have to be super gruesome or sometimes a lighthearted, like almost a cozy spin to this, uh, where we have these multiple characters who are like, who are been. So what happens is there is a group of people and they're at an apartment showing when a person comes in and um, tries to hold them hostage uh, just because of a situation that has gotten out of control. And all of the people at the apartment viewing think that that person is just trying to scare them off so that they cannot buy the apartment. <laughs> and the police intervenes. and But before they can get to that, the apartment, the perpetrator who was holding them hostage has disappeared. And the only thing that's left is like blood marks on the carpet. So we ha- we're like, we're placed in the middle of a police investigation where they're wondering, is the perpetrator dead? Where did he go? Uh, was anyone else harmed? And they're trying to join together the narrative from like the witnesses perspective or the people who were held hostage. And it's just like reading through them, like trying to piece it all together and just watching their inner struggle. So it's like a, it's heartwarming in the sense that you you want to like you know give each of the characters a hug that it's gonna be okay and it like talks about truly anxious people and how adulting is really hard and it's okay to get anxious every now and then but also you have this other situation unraveling where there was an attempted bank robbery that turned into a hostage drama and like now the perpetrator is missing and so it's I am really enjoying it. I really wanted to mention this on the show just because if uh, you maybe like, you know, it's a great break and it's lighthearted, but also like it has a space and it has a mystery at the center of it. So I would definitely recommend it. It's Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. Yeah, I I mean, obviously I'm familiar with Frederick Bachman, but I've I've never read any of his books. And so I'm, I'm familiar with Anxious People. He's, he's a very popular author at my library. And so I, I remember ordering copies of this book, but yeah, it never like, I, you know, I, I made the mistake of assuming that, oh yeah, I know exactly, you know, I'm, I know what kind of, what kind of book he's writing. (laughs) And I didn't realize that it had that, that mystery twist to it. That's really interesting. Um, And I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that, that it's also, that it's also a very good read too. Yeah. So his book, like I, for example, didn't enjoy a man called I think it's called a band called Ove and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, like if any of the listeners are, know the current pronunciation, please do let me know. I did not click with that. But then his other work, my grandmother told me to tell you, I'm sorry. That was great. So again, like uh, he's an author who has great range. And if you haven't picked any of his works, I would definitely recommend like trying Anxious People because he can surprise you. <laughs> and uh, that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Thanks so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen. Or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. So if you want to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find us on social media. I'm on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And I am on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye. <laughs>